Listener supported. WNYC Studios. It's the Brian Lair Show on WNYC. I'm Bridget Bergen senior reporter in the WNYC and Gothamist newsroom, filling in for Brian today. On today's show, we're going to hear some, let's say, unappetizing news. The health department released data that show the food safety violations in hundreds of city school cafeterias. WNYC and Gothamist reporter Jacqueline Jeffrey Walensky will share what she found in the data and tell you how you can look up your kid's school. Plus, Later in the show, longtime NPR science reporter Nell Greenfield Boyce will share a bit about her new book, her new book of essays that weaves her own major life moments with scientific events or discoveries like tornadoes and black holes. And we'll wrap up today's show with one of the perennial problems of city living noise. We want to hear your hacks on how you cope with noisy neighbors, loud bars, honking horns, and other sonic annoyances. But first, History was made, again, at the U.S. Capitol this week. For the first time in nearly 150 years, House members advanced articles of impeachment against a sitting cabinet member. In a marathon hearing that stretched from Tuesday morning until early Wednesday, the House Committee on Homeland Security voted down party lines on two articles of impeachment against Alejandro Mayorkas. The Homeland Security Secretary has been widely criticized by Republican lawmakers over the agency's handling of security at the southern border. Here's committee chair Congressman Mark Green of Tennessee during his opening statement at the hearing on Tuesday. We're here because our oath and duty compel us to be here. The actions and decisions of Secretary Mayorkas have left us with no other option than to proceed with articles of impeachment. To quote Madison once again, Perhaps the greatest danger of abuse in the executive power lies in the improper continuance of bad men in office, end quote. We cannot allow this man to remain in office any longer. The time for accountability is now. Given the deep partisan divide that has come to dominate politics in Washington and across the country, it's no surprise that Democrats framed this hearing very differently. Here's Ranking Committee member Congressman Benny Thompson of Mississippi. The sham impeachment of Secretary Mayorkas is a baseless political stunt by extreme mega Republicans. Chairman Green, Representative Margaret Taylor Green, and others have pushed for and even fundraised based on this pre-planned, predetermined scapegoating of the secretary. So what is going on? What's the substance of the charges facing Secretary Mayorkas? What are the politics at play? And how does this connect to the biggest political event of the year, the upcoming presidential election? Joining us now to unpack all those questions and more is Jacqueline Alemany, congressional investigations reporter for The Washington Post. Jacqueline, welcome back to the show. Hey, good morning. Thanks so much for having me. And Jacqueline, I mentioned that this was a marathon hearing, but can you set the scene for us a bit? Who were the key players and and why did this go on so long? Yeah, this has been ongoing for uh, about a year now, really ever since Republicans took back the House majority um, in the 117th Congress, when you just all heard um, those vows from people like Congressman Marjorie Taylor Greene and others who even before in any sort of impeachment investigation or proceedings began, uh, promised 
voters that they were going to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas. Um, the main players uh, that we're seeing lead this charge forward and, and finally execute this impeachment right now is the um, chairman of the Committee on Homeland Security, Congressman Mark Green of Tennessee, um, who is leading the committee and this week introduced two articles of impeachment uh, against Alejandro Mayorkas, um, one a betrayal of, of public trust, and the other really boils down to uh, the allegation that he's broken the law by refusing to enforce immigration statutes that would prevent migrants from from entering the United States. Obviously, right now, um, there have been record numbers of migrants that have been crossing the border. But the issue um, at play here is, is essentially that what Green is charging Mayorkas for does not actually arise to high crimes and misdemeanors. And ultimately, the migrant crisis, the migrant crisis won't be addressed by impeachment at all. And, and rather, uh, the proceedings and negotiations taking place in the upper chamber with regards to the border deal that's being negotiated on a bipartisan basis by lawmakers is what could address that crisis. Mm. So you're sort of seeing a split screen in Congress right now. Absolutely. Listeners, we want to know, what are your questions? What questions do you have about the impeachment charges against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas? Uh, for voters across the political spectrum, what do you think about impeachment being used to address issues at the border? Or would you prefer, as, as Jacqueline just was referring to, a House and Se- the House and Senate come up with a bipartisan agreement, a policy solution? Uh, what questions do you have for our guest, Jacqueline Alemany of The Washington Post? You can call 212-433-WNYC. That's 212-433-9692. Or you can text or tweet at Brian Lair. Um, Jacqueline, you started to get into this, and we know that the issues at the U.S.-Mexico border are the backdrop for this hearing with a record record number of migrants entering the country. We even heard President Biden say this recently, that if a bipartisan immigration deal was passed, he would do this. It also give me as president the emergency authority to shut down the border until it could get back under control. If that bill were the law today, I'd shut down the border right now and fix it quickly. Why do we hear this new hard line from President Biden, and how does it connect to the hearing that happened this week? Yeah, I think that there's sort of a twofold reason. There's obviously a political calculus here. This is something that Biden has not gotten very good reviews on as border crossings has caused a major strain to federal, state, and local governments and and resources. Um, It has become a very overheated conversation on the right and that has further been inflamed by uh, you know, the uh, essentially de facto nominee of the Republican Party for the 2024 election, President Trump, former President Trump, um, and House Republicans who have mimicked his language. And so you've seen the Biden administration finally try to address this head on and get ahead of um, some of the, the messaging battles that they've previously been losing. And and. But secondly, this deal actually does address a lot of the policy issues that have been under discussion, Um, policy issues that actually, uh, you know, Republican lawmakers have been saying and and clamoring for Congress to address for years now. Um, One of my colleagues has a really good layout of, of all of the things that Republican lawmakers have said over the past few years about what needs to happen on the border um, that just a, a few years ago, you know, Trump had wanted Congress to work on changing asylum laws. 
um, uh, and, and basically taking legislative action. And now you've seen, um, you know, in this election cycle, as we get closer to November, people like House Speaker Mike Johnson, people like Senator Ted Cruz, who obviously represents uh, a border state, um, claim now that 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 Congress isn't needed to address the, the crisis at the border and that actually the president has enough powers to do this himself. So r- really a, a, a 180 on what they were previously arguing about. But how this this all relates to the hearing this week is that, you know, as they have been as the House has been trying to impeach Mayorkas and blame him for what a lot of people, constitutional experts, even Republican constitutional scholars have argued amounts to a policy difference, um, which they have claimed is an is an impeachable offense. The upper chamber has been working on addressing these policy differences. And it's sort of been hard to reconcile, uh, as you can imagine, someone, um, you know, in, in one chamber, Alejandro Mayorkas being uh, criticized as, um, you know, the the cause of the surge at the border, while in the other chamber, he's been someone who's been integral to the negotiations taking place between lawmakers for months now. You know, over the, the Christmas break during recess, he was spotted um, back and forth on the Hill, sitting mm-hmm. in the room and, and trying to get this deal past the stalemate and, and uh, finalized. I'm speaking with Jacqueline Alemany, Washington Post congressional investigations reporter. We're talking about the uh, hearing this week to uh, advance impeachment charges against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Uh, And we're taking your calls about your questions about this process and other things happening on the Hill. We're going to start with David in Queens. David, thanks for calling The Brian Lair Show. Good morning. Thank you for taking the call. It's really a matter of policy because what we need is the solution, not grandstanding. Uh, That's number one. And if the people can, and the people in Washington can get together and decide uh, how best to arrange it, whether Mr. Biden and the Democrats have to bend a little bit, certainly the Republicans have to bend a little bit. That's what the that's what made the country great. and of course, Ms. Green will have to admit that she is basically grandstanding and looking perhaps for a slot as a vice presidential candidate uh, with the <clears throat> presumed uh, front runner for the Republican Party. The other thing is that the use, the attempted use of this impeachment is trying to set up a situation whereby in the future anybody can be pulled out of there by Congress for um, supposed uh, infractions uh, for which this is not a tool to be used. Uh, rather than the mean, rather sure. the, the motion that uh, we should get together and solve the problem, not try and pull somebody out of office. David, thank you so much. You, you gave us a lot to unpack there. Jacqueline, um, let's start with some of the politics he raised in that question. And certainly the membership of the Homeland Security Committee includes Congressmember Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, she was also referenced in Benny uh, Congressman Thompson's opening remarks as someone who has uh, made this an issue since the start of this Congress and has also potentially fundraised off this issue and may also be uh, angling for a, a political future in 2024. What is your reaction to, to that piece of this equation? 
Yeah, well, at the end of the day, it's it's not just Marjorie Taylor Greene in the House GOP conference that wants to impeach Mayorkas. They're, uh, overall, the House is dramatically more conservative than the Senate, and there uh, is sort of this growing unanimous consent amongst Republican members that impeaching Mayorkas um, is the pol- most politically expedient thing to do for them, especially with such a slim majority where it's really hard to push things through legislatively, this is kind of a welcome distraction, something that uh, even vulnerable members are in agreement about, especially as base voters have been clamoring for accountability. Um, Oversight is obviously a big responsibility for a majority um, in any Congress. and, And this would be the first promise that I think lawmakers have made to constituents about impeachments that have been going on for several years now that would actually be um, executed. It's highly unlikely that the Senate would ultimately vote to impeach Mayorkas. You've heard Republican senators say that they're not in favor of it, that that they feel like the House needs to get a grip and, and actually get something done legislatively. Um, but But there is some agreement that this is good politics, especially as you have people like Donald Trump explicitly saying that at the end of the day, the House should not give President Biden a win on the border and not to pass this bill. And Jacqueline, just to underscore this, and I know you've said it already, but what are the specific crimes Republicans are accusing Mayorkas of? What makes up these two articles of impeachment? Yeah, that's a, a really good question. And it's definitely under debate right now. They have charged that Mayorkas was lying under oath about the state of the border. This is under the charge of the betrayal of the public trust. This surrounds this term that he used when he testified before Congress in 2022, when he said that um, the Department of Homeland Security had, quote, operational control. Hmm. The definition of this, um, according to Mayorkas, as employed by the Border Patrol, is the ability to detect, respond, um, and 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 intercede border penetrations in areas deemed as high priority. But there was a 2006 law that was called the Secure Fence Act, and that defines the term a bit differently as the absence of any unlawful crossings or mi- of migrants or drugs. So they've tried to nail Mayorkas on that. They've also said that he has been obstructing their investigation. Um, they listed, you know, 31 different requests that have been partially or completely unsatisfied by Homeland Security. But Mayorkas, as the department has noted, has actually been one of the most cooperative cabinet members appearing before Congress dozens of times. Um, the the primary charge, though, is, is that he's broken the law by refusing to enforce immigration statutes. Um, but uh, and, and this means that he's failed to uphold certain aspects of immigration law, which mm. they believe is, is a constitutional crime. Um, but, you know, policy experts and, again, constitutional scholars and past secretaries of Homeland Security and even, you know, there have been some former legal advisors to President Trump, former President Trump, who noted um, that that they do not agree with this assessment of it rising to high crimes and misdemeanors um, as laid out by the Constitution. And that at the end of the day, the and a presidential administration does have wide latitude in how to control the border and that. There's, they do not feel like Mayorkas has exceeded those authorities that have been given to the executive branch. I want to go to Jesse in Washington Heights. Jesse, thanks for calling the Brian Lair Show. Oh, hi. Thank you. I love this discussion. Um, 
what's being overlooked is that this is really a global crisis among many other global crises that are all becoming completely out of control and unmanageable, and they're not the fault of an individual cabinet secretary. Uh, that, That what we've been doing is letting finance reward us for for very nice things um, <clears throat> while multiplying our impacts on the earth and ignoring that. And so ignoring the what are so-called externalities like the nature and, <laughs> and society, <laughs> which were which are being wildly disrupted by by our economic uh, intrusions, you know, interfering with uh, very smoothly working uncontrolled systems with our very unbalanced and blind controlled systems is the the underlying problem. I'm a systems scientist, so I say things like that. (laughs) Jesse, thank you so much for your call (laughs) and and for that perspective. Um, Jacqueline, you know, another take on what's happening at certainly on the border and and elsewhere. I want to pick up on the um, something that you mentioned before that caller, which was Mayorkas's, you know, willingness to respond to this committee, um, having appeared before this committee many times before, but he was not there on Tuesday. So what happened in, and how is he defending himself in this context? Yeah, and I, I just want to respond to something Jesse said, because he is absolutely right. And actually, this border deal that is being negotiated by bipartisan lawmakers um, does really just address a very narrow slice of the issue, which is the the actual border and our, our immigration system and the way that we detain, deport, and process individuals who are seeking at times asylum in our country or economic opportunity. But I urge everyone to go and read some of the coverage from my Washington Post colleagues about all of the other global factors that have um, caused this this crisis more from, um, you know, a a systemic issue, things Mm -hmm. like climate migration, economic uh, economic crises, war, all of these things that are pushing and contributing to the mass migration of entire populations um, as as the, the head of a, the, the United Nations warned actually last year at a biblical scale. But as for Mayorkas, um, he, you know, there was this feeling last week actually that the obstruction charge that was included under the betrayal of trust article of impeachment was a bit manufactured. They invited him to testify before the committee during their second impeachment hearing that began at the beginning of January. Uh, A week, a few days prior to the scheduled hearing, Mayorkas responded that he actually had a scheduling issue, was going to be meeting with, uh, was going to be preparing for meetings with Mexican officials to discuss how Mexico could better address the migrant crisis from, from their side um, uh, of the border, uh, and also was actually spotted that day during the second impeachment hearing negotiating with lawmakers in the Senate on the border deal. Hmm. Um, Mayorkas wrote back that he would be happy to appear and that they should find an alternative date. Lawmakers in the House, Mark Green, quickly responded that they would give him the opportunity to, to submit written testimony, but that they were going ahead 
uh, with the hearing without him. And shortly thereafter, they introduced articles of impeachment without really a single fact witness appearing before the hearing or a single subpoena and without hearing testimony from Mayorkas himself. Generally, in these sorts of proceedings, we see fact witnesses, people who can attest to the behavior or the charges that are being alleged by those who are doing the impeachment, um, which which sort of makes this impeachment historic in a number of ways, not just the fact that it's the first cabinet secretary, as you noted at the beginning of the program, for uh, the first in 148 years to be indicted by Congress, but perhaps um, the first uh, impeachment proceeding that will is likely to make it through the House that um, is essentially based on on no high crime, no evidence of high crimes and misdemeanors. Hmm. Uh, if you're just joining us, I'm Bridget Bergen in for Brian Laird today. We're going to take a quick break. More with my guest, Washington Post congressional investigations reporter Jacqueline Alamany, on the substance and the politics of the impeachment hearing of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas coming up. It's the Brian Lair Show on WNYC. I'm Bridget Bergen, in for Brian today. My guest is Washington Post congressional investigations reporter Jacqueline Alamany, and we're talking about this week's hearing for the House Homeland Security Committee looking at impeachment charges against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Jacqueline, I'm going to play a little bit more tape from that hearing this week. Uh, We know Republicans have taken a very hard line on this issue, making Mayorkas their target. Uh, While Democrats say Republicans are just taking a cue from former President Trump, who has made it clear that he wants to make the border and immigration central to his campaign this year. Uh, Here is Texas Republican Congressman Tony Gonzalez at the hearing on Tuesday. One of the most difficult things about Congress is it's filled with nothing but lawyers and they'll talk all day about uh, this, that or the other, which is, I think, frustrating to many Americans. Uh, This is what's going to happen. The House of Representatives is going to impeach Secretary Mayorkas and there is absolutely nothing anyone can do to stop it. And then a response from New York Democrat Congressman Dan Goldman. You are sitting here right now trying to impeach a secretary of Homeland Security for neglecting his duties literally while he is trying to perform his duties and negotiate legislation. Now, the real reason we are here, as we all know, is because Donald Trump wants to run on immigration for as his number one issue in the November 2024 election. And you don't have to take my word for it because he said it himself. Jacqueline, we know that both of these members are really appealing to their own bases, their own constituencies. But let's translate a little bit of what we heard there. First from Gonzalez. Um, you mentioned yeah. <laughs> we know that this uh, impeachment proceeding has made it out of committee. But what's the timeline that we're talking about and, and what happens next here potentially? Yeah. And I just want to say that all of those things that were just said by those two members all can be true. Um, and, and this is why I think that we're seeing such a stalemate in, in the House. Um, but as for the timeline, um, I think Congressman Gonzalez is absolutely right. This is, this is likely going to make it through the House. It, it's already made it out of the hearing after the markup on Tuesday. It's likely to be brought to the House floor for a vote next week. There are two members who have expressed a bit of reticence about 
supporting uh, this vote. And with such a slim majority, Speaker Johnson needs those two members in order for this to make it out of the House. That's uh, Congressman Ken, Ken Buck and Congressman Tom McClintock. But these are people who have previously expressed reluctance or concern about voting for things that they did not think were constitutionally sound. And ultimately, at the end of the day, when they were tested on it for a vote, they ended up voting on party line. Um, I don't think that there is much concern from uh, the WHIP's office and, and the Speaker's office about whether or not they have the votes to get this through. It's just a matter of procedure and time. Um, uh, but again, then this would make it to the Senate. And actually, in a potential hypothetical Senate trial, it would work a little bit differently than what we've previously seen with impeachment trials, because hmm. this is a, um, a, a cabinet member. Um, there's actually uh, a little bit of, of leeway in, in terms of the reading of the Constitution. The Senate is not required to hold a trial. They, the chamber can instead just refer the articles of impeachment to a smaller committee or um, Senator uh, and, and Majority Leader Chuck Schumer can just move to vote on a motion to dismiss the charges right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Democrats have the majority in the, in the Senate, so it's a, you know, there, there's, that, that's a factor that's at play here. Um, but again, at the end of the day, uh, it, Mayorkas is is very unlikely to be convicted by the Senate. And then let's just for a moment underscore the point that uh, Congressman Goldman is making, who who really is framing this as a issue of the politics of 2024 um, and reinforcing the fact that, as you said, President Trump, former President Trump has said that. They don't want to give a win to Democrats or to President Biden on this particular issue. And so, you know, that leads me to my next question, which is also the status of this bill that has been talked about for months, uh, a deal to address immigration and border security. You know, you talked about how it lays out, you know, some specific responses to some of the biggest issues. You know, what's dare I ask what the status of that bill is at this point? Is there any chance of it seeing the light of day? given the rhetoric that we're hearing now? Well, as of this week, that bill is languishing. We still have not seen the border text, but as negotiations have continued and and Trump has thrown cold water on it and urged members not to support it, you have seen some Republican senators in the House who were previously behind getting something through start to question whether or not they should take a hard vote on something that is destined to fail in the House. Um, But we have seen dribs and drabs of some of the more specific provisions included in this this bipartisan deal that Mayorkas has been intimately involved with negotiating, um, along with Republican Senator James Langford. Um, There is uh, a provision that would um, kick in when to shut down the border when unauthorized crossings surpass 5,000 migrants a day over a five-day average. Um, there is also additional resources for more beds and detention centers and immigration courts to process migrants who do come in through port of entry. Um, there is going to be a, a new way to change the U.S. asylum process to reduce the average time of an asylum claim that would be resolved from several years down to six months. It raises the standards for migrants to be able to make asylum claims in the first place. And um, the the one thing that is still 
under a, a bit of um, negotiation is this I, this humanitarian parole powers mm-hmm. and whether or not the bill will ultimately dramatically curtail Biden's use of the parole powers for certain categories of migrants. That's not yet in the final deal. But again, we have not seen the final text and um, we're hoping to see that this week as, as, as lawmakers have promised. We know that uh, the new House Speaker, Mike Johnson, gave his first floor speech yesterday um, with immigration being a central issue. Even if there is an agreement reached, what are the obstacles that it faces in the House? Yeah, I mean, it, this is this is here and lies the problem with such a slim majority. There are are people on on both the far left and the hard right who oppose the deal, which is why um, it faces some such slim chances of ultimately getting made into law. The other fact of the matter, um, other than some opposite, there's the obvious opposition from hardline Republicans that this bill isn't strong enough on the border. There's obviously the pressure from Donald Trump not to give Joe Biden a win. But there's the there's concern from the far left that this is not what their base or their constituents want, that um, they they feel like some of these provisions are inhumane um, and that this is not the way to address the crisis at the border. There are some Democratic members who rep- who represent uh, border districts who do not are not in favor of this bill. Um, but the other uh, issue at play is is that this is also tied into additional funding for Ukraine, right. um, which is something that Republicans in the House especially still uh, largely oppose. Um, so there are a lot of different components tied in here, and that's why you're starting to hear some talk crop up about separating this bill and um, kind of forcing the hand of Republicans to make it as difficult as possible from a messaging perspective for them to vote against it. Mm. Um, Democrats have been discussing this potential lately. If there is no Ukraine attached to it, it gives them less of a reason to vote against it, especially when they've been asking for changes to address the migrant crisis. And Democrats feel that this bill does just that. I want to go to Gary in Little Ferry, New Jersey. Gary, thanks for holding. Welcome to The Brian Lair Show. Thank you for taking my call. I'm going to surprise people. I'm just about a lifelong Republican, have been involved in Republican politics in Bergen County, and actually ran for office in Fort Lee, which is a down kind of car, uh, town, as a Republican. This uh, impeachment is a disgrace. If we're going to uh, impeach people over policy, we should become a parliamentary system. And Congressman Green talking about an evil man, a bad man. How about Donald Trump? He should be in prison right now waiting execution. That's what they do to uh, traitors. That's what happened on January 6th. And my fellow Republicans, shame on you. You have no. Gary, thank you for your very impassioned uh, perspective on both. Uh, the hearing and certainly on our former president. Um, I will note, Jacqueline, um, in, in maybe more subdued terms, uh, the Washington Street, uh, the, excuse me, the Wall Street Journal editorial page, another bastion of conservative thinking, had a lead mm-hmm. editorial yesterday with the headline, quote, impeaching Mayorkas achieves nothing. So there is certainly a sentiment on the right that uh concerns that this is potentially a losing strategy for Republicans, correct? 
Yeah, I was just about to note that same thing, that there are other Republicans who agree with you, Gary, um, someone like Michael Chertoff, the Republican-appointed Homeland Security Secretary, um, who said uh, that, that, you know, the evidence put forth did not meet the bar for impeachment, uh, and that uh, he did not agree with the argument that Mayorkas has been derelict in his duty. Um, there, there's people like Jonathan Turley. He is the sort of the go-to conservative scholar who testified as a witness on behalf of Trump to defend him during the Trump impeachment trial, the first one in 2019, who wrote an op-ed that said that you can't impeach someone for simply being bad at their job. Mm. So there is a lot of um, this, there's a, a lot of concern across the board that this is an abuse of a tool that was has historically been designed by the founders to address, you know, despotic uh, leaders, not to again take a, a punitive political statement against a cabinet member who is trying to carry out the policy of of the sitting president. Sure, and then of course. You also have people writing on the other side of the spectrum, David uh, Lanhart for The New York Times, who had a piece said that was headlined, Democrats are out of step with public opinion when it comes to immigration. Um, it, it sounds like there are concerns there, too, that there needs to be some sort of response um, that meets sort of the minds and the hearts of where voters are on the left as well. Um, not necessarily just the progressives, but maybe more moderates. What's your sense of that? It's 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 spot on, and that's why you're seeing Biden himself put some skin in the game here and get behind this bill and and start to message it a little bit differently. I mean, Democrats have historically been panned for losing the messaging game when it comes to some of um, these these tougher issues that do anger the progressive flank of of the party. Um, but if you look at all of the polling, as we discussed earlier, Biden is is viewed more unfavorably with regards to his handling of U.S. immigration policy and the migrant crisis than Republicans and, and former President Donald Trump. Um, and, and we have hit record numbers in recent months of crossings, illegal crossings at the border. Um, but, but whether or not Democrats can now successfully sort of try to turn the tables and paint Republicans as now being derelict in their duties by not passing this this piece of bipartisan legislation that we all have yet to see, um, that remains to be seen. Jacqueline, your colleague Philip Bump wrote that this Mayorkas impeachment should be viewed as a dry run for targeting Biden. Are we seeing a new Republican playbook for impeachment in this Mayorkas case? You know, I, um, I'm i not sure I, I agree with that assessment. I think that this is actually sort of uh, a substitute for impeaching Biden at the moment. Um, as, as I previously mentioned, you know, there is a desire for accountability, especially from base voters who have been hearing from House Republicans across conservative media that they have been going to impeach a Biden official since they took the majority. These voters have not yet seen that. They've been frustrated with that. Um, and and this is viewed as kind of um, a, a piece of red meat to to throw to them, and something that doesn't, you know, isn't a challenging decision for the vulnerable Republicans who are in purple districts, whose voters might not like the idea of of um, 
using impeachment to impeach a president where they're when in, in an impeachment process that has yet to find any evidence um, of high crimes and misdemeanors. Mm-hmm. And and that inquiry is, um, you know, just a quick for, for those who aren't totally in the loop. That's a whole other impeachment inquiry that's being led by the House Oversight Ways and Means and Judiciary Committees. And it's investigating whether or not Joe Biden um you know, accepted any foreign money or was involved in his son's um, business dealings. And uh, the chairman and the investigators running that investigation have yet to unearth any really substantive evidence that directly links Biden to his son's business dealings, um, despite some of the allegations that have been unsubstantiated out there from Republicans that Biden has been, you know, Uh, involved in bribery and and corruption. Right. We're going to slip one more caller in before we let you go, Jacqueline. We're going to go to Maria in Redding, Connecticut. Maria, thanks for calling WNYC. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm not uh, in favor of uh, abusing executive orders, but since uh, the Republicans seems intent on uh, preventing, and, and of course uh, the orders of uh, Donald Trump, uh, preventing uh, Biden and the and uh, uh, Congress from passing this legislation, how much can Biden do before the elections by executive order uh, to address these uh, border issues in case this uh, the legislation doesn't pass? Maria, thanks for that question. Any sense of that, Jacqueline? Yeah, so that that's a really good question, um, and it's something there. There is a definitely a role for executive orders. Um, I'm not sure if that if, if if the administration or the White House has gone down that road yet. I think they're still hoping that there can be a, a legislative um, prescription here. But I imagine with this being such a politically contentious and prescient. Um, you know, point of contention right now that that it is going to ultimately it it could be discussed down the road if nothing makes it through the um, upper and lower chambers and right. onto the president's desk. There, there, it wouldn't solve all of the problems certainly, um, but there could be a role for executive action here. But we're going to leave it there for now. My guest has been Jacqueline Alamany, the congressional investigations reporter for The Washington Post. Jacqueline, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it.